This is the Tiger Kickoff Podcast with your hosts, Emily Liker, Callum McAndrew, and Wilson Moore. Welcome to the second episode of the Tiger Kickoff Podcast for the 2021 season. I am Emily Liker. I'm Callum McAndrew. I'm Wilson Moore. And we are your Columbia, Missourian MU football beat writers. Guys, we just had another home game this past weekend. We're looking for a road game coming up for Mizzou. They're going to Boston College. But first, let's talk about that game we just had. It was MU versus SEMO, so it was a little bit of an in-state, I don't want to say rivalry because there wasn't much going on there. Don't but you dare call this a rivalry. <laughs> it was I, an in-state I hear, matchup. I hear beat SEMO was a big... Uh, yeah, I saw a sticker in the quad that just said beat SEMO, and I really think that's overkill. That's, that, that seems unfair to the poor Red Hawks of the Southeast. I think they do it for every game, so I don't think it was like a targeting. <laughs> like, beat SEMO was some new thing. Like, I'm pretty sure... I feel like they could have saved some budget on stickers this that's week, true. though. Uh, it was family weekend, though, too. So, I mean... Probably some of the biggest attendance Mizzou will see this season because they had extra people in town. Um, but Maybe still, this is a rivalry then. I don't know. bringing out the crowds for SEMO. Play them every year. I don't know. Don't wait two years. I, I think it was fine. I, I don't know that this game was super riveting. I mean, Callum, you wrote The Gamer. I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cool. tell us a little bit more about what happened in the game. Uh, in the first half, uh, I thought we could all go home. Um, and it felt like Simo were at home. Uh, uh, were, the, were there even 11 players on defense at parts of that? That was Tyler Beatty. I don't think he even like saw a guy anytime he got the ball for a while. Yeah. That was, that, I mean, that was, that was brutal. 38 nothing at the half. Um, and I think Drinkowitz was pretty reasonable. We were, Wilson and I were talking about this the other day. He was pretty reasonable in his press conference afterwards about conceding, uh, getting out, uh, outscored in the second half. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was thirty-eight nothing at the half. This is uh, this is. Uh, there was we saw a lot of depth. That was fun. That was you know getting to see some players that weren't haven't had action in the first couple of games uh, that could be promising in the future. Um, yeah, what else is there? I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, something we talked about the other day when we were recording the video with Jerry, which doesn't have a name. The, the, the extra minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. whatever it's called. Um, we talked a little bit about, like, is it concerning, like, the performance in the second half? Like, should we be concerned that all of these second-string players were so bad? I mean, like, one thing Drinkwitz brought up after the game was that most of those players hadn't been playing defense, like, during practice. They'd all been playing scout team. And he made a comment that was, like, basically if we had played – Simo's offense or Simo's defense, we would have been better against their offense than we were playing our own offense. That's what Drinkwood said. I'll pull up the real quote, but Wilson, you wrote about that, so do you want to talk more about it? Yeah, yeah. And um a few different points on that. One is that, yeah, I it's hard to imagine that Drinkwitz or Missouri should be particularly concerned about defense after after this game. You know, if 11 guys on the first string get injured and the third stringers have to play meaningful snaps against, you know, Tennessee in two weeks or any SEC team. Yeah, that's that that wouldn't be great for Missouri. And they showed that they're, for, um, for the most part, not ready for uh, significant action so far. But that barring a string of like unprecedented and just absurdly bad luck, that's not going to happen. We're not going to see 
a lot of those guys on the field for the rest of the year. We're definitely not going to see all of them on the field together. The defense played well. They, uh, the first half, um, didn't allow a point. And, of course, it's against SEMO. So you wonder how much you can take away from a game like that. The run defense struggled a lot against Kentucky. It played well against SEMO, but it's just it's not on the same level. The real test is going to be next week against Boston College. You see if they really did rebound against SEMO, if they're playing better, or if they just played SEMO and took advantage of lesser competition. Yeah, I mean, yeah uh, that, all of that is, is pretty much spot on. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Kentucky game because even you know that the, what they allowed 54 yards the first team in the, the first half on rush I think something like that that's yeah. great it's Simo um this I mean this this rush defense is still in clear and present danger of being the worst in the nation it is 126 still and that is part and parcel because of the second half but but it's still Simo this was a week where they could have at least given themselves some breathing room from, like, UConn, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And, I mean, you both were, like, referencing the defensive line. And I know Darius Robinson, who Wilson wrote about last week, is Wilson cursed. That's a topic for later. Ooh. But um, Since he I wrote about the... Tyler Beatty the week before, I'm going to go with no. Okay. Oh. Well, Darius Robinson went down with an injury. Did Drinkwitz update that at all? Because I know he said we'll know more on Tuesday, but did he end up saying anything about whether Robinson is still we might hurt, be able to still break out? that on the pod. They do that on Thursdays. He did say he was going to update on Tuesday, but it is unsurprising that oh. he's just leaving it. I mean, we he, won't know what Robinson's injury is though, because they never denote that on the injury report. I think that's an important thing for fans to know is that we don't actually ever know <laughs> what someone's injury no. is, which makes it hard to predict if they're like actually going to come back or not or be able to play in the next game because we have no idea if they like stubbed their toe and are just like unable to walk properly or if they like broke a bone so that one looked pretty sore if we're if we're going on the eye test which is historically reliable is it i don't know i don't know what what we do we do know it's it was like lower leg ankle area we do know that much that's what they were working on on the field that's us clearly that's yeah. favoring one leg it was that's about the extent to which we know there were several hobbles yes yeah and it was at like right in the middle of the field as well so he i mean he didn't have a short distance to go that was a shame so if if he can't play against um boston college who do we who do we see we know um akil byers has uh played pretty well he's pretty highly graded like pff kobe whiteside hasn't played as well he actually lost his starting job. Robinson started against SEMO instead of Whiteside break from the first two games. Who do we see at um, that other tackle spot, presumably next to Byers, if Robinson can't go? I am More Whiteside, more Makai Wingo, I imagine. Anyone else? I I feel like it'll probably be Whiteside. Yeah, that's... I, that, I mean, they're listed next to each other on the depth chart, like with an or between their names. Ooh. So, like, it really rotates back and forth. Wingo could come in later or, like, rotate in for Whiteside, but I think it'll be Whiteside who gets the start. Does anyone think this is like, like the last chance for Whiteside? Does anyone think is that? Can we? Mm. Probably not, right? But yeah. Well, he's close to graduating. He's like our he's, age. He's he's in his fifth year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's, I mean, he's, he's a COVID year guy. I wonder if because Wingo has been half decent as half decent as this D line can be. Yeah. Um, wondering does he does he lose his spot at some point? Oh, uh, there's also. 
I mean, granted, we're only um, three games into the season, but we've also seen that Steve Wilkes really likes rotating guys through. Yeah. He does it at corner. He does it on the line. He doesn't like setting just uh, four or five guys and having them play. And granted, part of that is just out of necessity. You can't have the same four guys play. They're going to get exhausted. But Wilkes seems to like rotating that through a little more than average. We see it on the edges, too. We, you know, Jeff Coat, Isaiah McGuire is one of the few linemen who has uh, played, I think, pretty well so, so far this season. But Johnny Walker, Arden Walker got some action. You see, a, We've seen a lot of guys just see time on this defensive line. Johnny Walker had the only sack of the game against Seno. Yeah. yeah. Where, where does that rank on the Johnny Walker scale? Oh, that's Johnny Walker blue. That's yeah. That's high. That's top shelf. <laughs> the Johnny Walker scale. The Johnny Walker scale. Yeah. I like it. Uh, we mentioned Beatty and Basilag, and I don't think we need to go that much more in depth which, with what they did. But I mean, Beatty had a career single game best with those three touchdowns he scored, and then Basilag came really close to like setting career records single game records in like all of his stat categories because he was 21 for 31 or 21 for 30 excuse me and then 346 yards and three tds and last season against lsu when they beat the reigning national champions um granted they were without joey burrow so it was not really the same team but um he had four tds and like just over 400 yards on even less attempts but he was so close and it would have been i think cool if he had played a little bit in the second half so that he could have gotten that, but also again, it's against Simo. Um, if, if you're Connor Bazelak, wouldn't you rather your career high be against LSU than Simo? Mm, maybe, but was that maybe. LSU team? <laughs> but but was that LSU, LSU team that much better than this Simo yes. team? Oh, okay. Yes. No, <laughs> no, do not, do not do this. That LSU team was terrible. They were, but they were FBS. They like. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I, I just brought it up so we could transition into a topic that we talked about earlier this week, which is name, image, and likeness deals. And someone in our sports beat meeting on Monday, maybe it was Jack who covers administration and NIL for the Missourian, if you don't know, um, he brought up how like some of the biggest guys on the team, Beatty, Basilak, don't have like huge NIL deals. And it's like these random smaller players like Harrison Mevis and stuff like why like is that just because Beatty and Bazelak don't really have the character for that or like why do you guys think that is no I think it's interesting and you know obviously the NIL era is very young we're what two three months into it Mm -hmm. um that we're you know you have your your Bryce Youngs at Alabama getting these seven figure deals but for the most part it's been those smaller things it's just been guys you know making a buck here or there. It hasn't been these big, you know, national um, endorsements. It's It's been, you know, Drake Heismeyer printing T-shirts. It's um, All linemen well, getting free meals. Yeah, That's yeah. my favorite part of the NIL <laughs> era is just guys getting burgers. Yeah, yeah, yes. and, that, and that's another big one. You know, you know, going hanging out at Shiloh's for an hour and a half and getting paid 20 bucks in a burger or whatever. That, that's a win to me. That's, Absol- that's how you no win question. the NIL era. That, Don't you know. pay for food for a year. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, though, like, not, like, about, like, the size of the, the deal, but, like, it feels like a lot of other schools, it's still, like, these big-name starters and stuff who are getting the deals where, like, like I said, it's Harrison Mevis, like, Thicker the Kicker. Like, he has his own shirts, and that's cool, and I guess technically he's a starter, but he's not, like, at the same level as Beatty or Basilak or, like, any of the wide receiving core or anything like that. So why are those guys not pursuing, it seems, NIL deals like some of these smaller guys are? Do you think it might be a case of just waiting for the right thing? Um, and also, I mean, these are two guys that are 
now entrenched in the football season as well. They are like, I mean, it's it's tough to match the business side with the playing side as well, especially when I mean, Bazelak gets brought out for interviews every seven and a half minutes. I mean, it's so it's you know to also then go film a car commercial. That's a lot of work, I guess. Maybe in the off season we'll see a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, see, um, see a little bit more Bady Bazelak action. Bady should start an NIL with uh, Matukovic. <laughs> he loves him. I think he should just get a salary from Matukovic. <laughs> I, I know. Mean, that's really. He said he would be his NFL yeah. hype man post game, like yeah. post the SEMO game. So that was pretty funny. I wish he'd been I, mic'd up during the SEMO game. Do you think he was just like cheering Beatty on? <laughs> I, I, really, I think I think Bazelak hands Beatty the ball, and if you listened closely enough, you just hear uh, Coach Toot going, "Yeah, get us." <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, talk about endorsements. He can get a, a deal endorsing Tyler Beatty. I think mm, that yeah, would be. Oh. I think that would be a beneficial move yep. for everyone. Mm-hmm. So nil obviously plays a lot into recruiting too, which we heard Drinkwitz talk about recruiting a little bit this week. And what I think has been like become the buzzer comment of like this week of media for also been very overblown. Oh yeah, it's definitely been overblown. Um so I think it's worth touching on. We don't have Absolutely. to spend too long yeah. on it. But so to, this was Tuesday at his noon presser, correct? Mm-hmm. When he said this, he said this is the back half of the quote. So he starts the quote talking about how he's so thankful to be going to play Boston and it's going to be a great matchup, all this stuff. And then Drinkwitz finishes with, if I had my pick of it, I would love to play a regional matchup that was maybe more of a rivalry game. That would be maybe a little bit more exciting for recruits to watch from a TV perspective, or maybe we're playing in front of your family. I don't know the last time Missouri signed a kid from the great state of Massachusetts. Beautiful. He, I mean, like Wilson said, this has been overblown. Oh, yeah. He did not, like, mean it in a negative way. It just came off kind of weird, I think, listening to it. And especially I was listening to it, and I hadn't been there to see what, like, the tone was, what his facial expressions were like. So, like, give us a little more context on what was going on here with this comment. He, he had he had set it up with a joke earlier. He said, um, he said, looking forward to getting out, so I'm, this is paraphrasing here, like, looking forward to getting out to Massachusetts, open up some new recruiting grounds for us. <laughs> then he pauses. That was a joke, you guys. Yeah. And, you know, That's so, my favorite drink of it, is when he tells us he's joking. <laughs> he does surprisingly often, yeah. but, um... But yeah, and I don't know, I felt like it it circled around on Twitter as this like big diss on Boston College when it's not. It's just talking about, you know, they would rather play in Texas and have all those, you know, four-star Texas recruits who they're going for be at the game. And I really think, I mean, that was that was the extent of it. What regional schools would you guys want to see Mizzou face off against? SEMO. No, okay, <laughs> different school than SEMO. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, any ideas? I mean, Kansas feels like the obvious yeah. choice that yeah. would. I don't know who benefits from it that much, just because like, I, I I don't know. They haven't played Kansas in years. I wonder if it would be like a good atmosphere. Fans excited to see Kansas for the first time in a while. If the atmosphere would get worse when it's thirty-eight nothing again at halftime. Yeah, that's I, true. Nebraska. I was gonna say. Nebraska? Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Why Nebraska? I just think it would be fun. I, they, would, I would like to see it. Yeah. They 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 do recruit from Nebraska. I think uh, mm-hmm. Deshaun Woods, uh, 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 2022 O-line commit is mm-hmm. from Omaha, I want to say. My choice was going to be the Fighting Illini Ooh. because there's already the basketball rivalry there. People get really into it every year. 
I mean, they're a pretty good football program. They're decent. Um, so I think that could be a good matchup, uh, regional matchup. And definitely there's tons of recruits from Illinois and the Chicago area and like places like that in the state. So I think that would be a good one if he's trying to get those um, regional matchups for recruiting purposes. Uh, I think also someone pointed out on Twitter that a lot of these matchups – Drinkwitz has inherited and he's had no choice yes, in. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see once he starts to get a little more say in like what games they're playing and who they're playing against and when, um, how that shakes out in terms of what the schedule looks like. I want them to go to the Northeast more often. I don't think that will happen because <laughs> oh. Drinkwitz does not want to. <laughs> but it could this weekend. Now, A, let me start by saying Drinkwitz was definitely right instead of what he said. They're not going to get any recruits from the Northeast this weekend. Unless this turns into like an old flipperoo. If they go up there and really play this up. Like I want like I want Boston College players to wear helmets with the great state of Massachusetts on them. I want this. I want Halfley to go like full godfather and be like, we invited you up to our house and you insult us. I want, like, I, I want them to start battles on the field. I want minimum 20 taunting penalties. I want Drinkwitz at the end of this game to come out and be like, yeah, we're coming back up here every year. We're gonna, winner gets all of the other team's recruits from that state. I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the last 30 seconds of yeah. this. I don't, I don't know if we need to discuss that or if I think... I think it would be doing a disservice to that entire monologue to go deeper. Yeah, so I mean, we can just dive into previewing Boston College since now we're on the topic of going to the Northeast. So I mean, what's expected from the Eagles? I think we all know. We're all looking at each other a little bit. It's going to be a run-heavy offense. If you're Martez Manuel, maybe stop listening now. (laughs) Um. There's a quote from Martez, right? Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah. Okay, so I should have. Uh, I'm really excited to just shut everybody up. It's so annoying to get on Twitter or get on anything. Um, What's your guys' takes on that? On his quote? On the quote. Yeah, he's talking about the rushing defense, by the way, getting uh, some criticism on Twitter. I think... Go ahead, Wilson. It's definitely understandable. I mean, I... Yeah, I get it. Like, you know, and I'm sure, like, from a coach's perspective... That's uh, that's the kind of thing you want to hear from your players. You know, you want to hear that motivation. You want them to not be happy, not content. Um, and like I said, I mean, I don't. It's not like yeah, he's. It, it's totally understandable. I get it. It was it was a good quote to use in a story. Always happy with those. I would say I also think it's understandable with a little bit of a caveat that there are a lot of other things that college football fans will get on players' cases about. And, like, generally, for the most part, it's, like, not actually something they should, like, fans should be upset about or whatever. This run defense is something fans should be upset about, and it is something that they are actually struggling with. So I get that as, like, if I was getting constantly harassed on Twitter for something I was Mm. doing, then, yeah, I would be upset too. But also, like, it is justified. Like they're num- still number one twenty six in all of the FBS. Like I, I don't not know. Good. It's not good. And I think 
maybe maybe people ratting on them on Twitter is the motivation they need to fix it this week. I don't know. So I, I empathize with with college players a little bit more after Wilson and I went down to Hoover, Alabama for SEC Media Days in July, and uh, I kind of got a different perspective on this. Like when Bo Nix started Absolutely, talking, yeah. uh, the the Auburn quarterback, you know, he's he's come under some some uh, criticism, and he, he he went he went up to the lectern. Love seeing lectern. Um, there's a lectern Twitter account. That's an aside. Um, <laughs> anyway, I went up to the lectern and said, you know, it's, it's weird being 19, 20 years old and having these 40-year-old guys, you know, getting on your case on Twitter. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's, so I can see where Martez Manuel is coming from, saying, yeah, we don't want to go on Twitter and get all this, you know, all this criticism and just see bad things about us. But by the same token, it has been very, very bad. I mean, this is, and there are no signs that it's about to get any better because Boston College quite enjoy running the football. Drinkwitz about that, yes. again, since we're, we're pulling out all the quotes today. He said, in reference to what he's expecting from Boston College, particularly from their offense, I would expect it to be very similar. We struggled with it, it being the run game. So I would anticipate they're going to copy exactly what Kentucky did against us and see if we fixed it. That's what I would do. So he's pretty much expecting the same game plan, which I think is fair. I mean, does anyone have the stats still on what the Kentucky, I think it was like 340 yards. I'm going to fact check myself, but does that sound right? Chris Rodriguez had 206. I know that. And that's just, that is so rough for Missouri. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, after this week, it'll be, Four games, two of them power five opponents on the road, both of uh, and both of those teams have strengths that directly line up with Missouri's weaknesses. Missouri's biggest weakness so far this season has been the defensive line, and Kentucky and Boston College both have really, really good offensive linemen. That's just a that's a that's an impressive amount of bad luck for yeah. four weeks in the season that your two toughest opponents both have strengths that perfectly align with your weaknesses. I know Drinkwitz talked about their like the size of their offensive line, Boston mm-hmm. Colleges, um, and I like went back in and like fact checked because obviously you know sometimes coaches will not have the exact numbers on hand. But he was right; they're all six three or taller. They are all like an average of I think it worked out to like three hundred and ten pounds. And like Missouri's defensive line is kind of small. Like I think their average weight was like two eighty five. They're like the same height, but they're like smaller, leaner. Mm-hmm. And these guys are huge, and they're also really experienced as well. Like their two best offensive linemen are both graduate students. They've played countless numbers of snaps, started countless numbers of games. So I, I am not expecting them to try and throw the ball much because they're just going to be able to open so much space on the ground. So I don't know. Also, they don't have their quarterback. I mean, they don't have their starting quarterback. So that's rough. All the more reason to keep it on the ground. Exactly, but yeah, it, it, that will lens translating. I mean, yeah, they don't have their starting quarterback, but I mean, uh, what's what's the guy's name? There is Dennis Grosso. He also runs the ball. He's ran it, I think, since um, since the starter's gone out. He's ran it twelve times for sixty-five yards, which isn't isn't awful. But um, the the Russian offense is thirty-first in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's worrying. Missouri. That I mean, that should be of concern. We've kind of touched on that as well, but but and here's the caveat to that: the three teams they've played, Colgate, 
Why are they the Raiders? That makes no sense. They should be like the dentists. Toothbrushes. Yes, the toothbrushes. (laughs) The Colgate toothbrushes. Uh, Massachusetts and Temple. No big cats in any of those nicknames, which is a clear sign that the start of the schedule wasn't very strong. Um, Is that... Should should Missouri focus on that and on that a little bit? Is there anything to take away from that? I mean, I think it just... It tells us that we don't know as much as we can or as much as we will about Boston College. I think, I mean, it, you know, you, there's only it's, – it's similar to Missouri playing SEMO this past uh, week that in that there's only so much you can take away from that. You don't know to a certain extent if it's that – if it's the team or if it's the opponent who has the, the bigger effect. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think it's also, like, interesting – that even though they've played these like probably weaker opponents, I guess we could say one like, and eight. Yeah, <laughs> they're still getting like attention like nationally like for what they're doing, which is not always the best indicator. But I mean, they got nine votes in mm-hmm. the week four AP poll, and then twenty seven in the week four USA Today coaches poll. So I mean, they're getting national attention. People think they're going to be good. I mean, they're obviously not in those top twenty five spots yet, but. I did want to say one thing, Ooh. one more thing. Oh. I saw apparently last night during Drinkwitz's radio show, he said that Michael Cox was going to play more, Ooh. which seemed odd to me after his response to the Michael Cox question after SEMO, where they're like, oh, what did you see out of Michael Cox today? And he was literally just like, he ran down the field. Like, he didn't seem like a coach that was very impressed by his player. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was just like, Ready Maybe to that's be done the with highest compliment, though, because he's a running back. And he's like, he, he ran down the field. Drinkwitz did expand on that on Tuesday. Okay. He, um, uh, he talked a little bit about his performance. He mentioned Cox as a guy who, as one of the backups who played well. And I think, um, I think Cox was in an opportunity more than a lot of the backups to show what he could do and to get more snaps because Tyler Beatty has obviously been great this year. Um, Elijah Young's underperformed. Elijah Young hasn't been the number two guy they were hoping he would be, and it's uh, just put even more pressure on Beatty. And as of now, I think that kind of that it, the race has opened back up for who's going to get those set, who's going to get the second most snaps, who's going to be um, what Tyler Beatty was the last few years. And Cox absolutely made a case for himself to um, be in consideration for that and to see more action and. Um, he'll uh, he'll get another opportunity against better competition this week. You have some Elijah Young numbers, don't you? What was it through the Kentucky game? It was um, through the Kentucky game. He had um, thirty-four rushing yards on the season, including a thirty-two-yard touchdown Oof. against um, against Central Michigan Week One. Had, he had twenty-nine total yards, uh, rushing yards, including that thirty-two-yard touchdown. Yeah. He lost yards other than other than that. I don't have his numbers against Simo. Mm. He played they don't matter. no, <laughs> yeah. He he played well enough, but yeah, I think that race is still open. Um, and Michael, it could very well be Michael Cox in a couple weeks if he plays uh, like he did against Simo. Interesting. Good. I I missed that part of the discourse from this week's availability. So. I just did the game preview for Tiger Kickoff this week, but you guys both have bigger stories. So, Wilson, tell us a little bit about Allie Green the fourth. He has an interesting story. He has a very interesting story. Allie Green has, um, in high school, he was kind of an immature kid. Kind of, uh, he uh, 
he got in some trouble at school, nothing, um, just kind of a, kind of a free spirit who didn't really know what he was going to do. And a couple different things, uh, um, changed his life. He became a father, um, when he was in high school, he, uh, his, um, football coach, Andrew Jackson took him under his wing. He lived with him for a while and really just matured, became an adult. He had to become an adult because he was, because he was a father, um, Really enjoyed writing it. I'm really appreciative to Allie and um, Coach Jackson's kids, Avery and Alyssa, for agreeing to tell uh, tell me their story and touch on some kind of difficult things to talk about. And uh, yeah, check it out. In uh, this is coming out Friday morning, so in today's Columbia, Missourian. And Callum, last week we had asked on the pod for mm-hmm. parents to reach out to you to talk about their travel stories. What travel stories did you hear? Uh, so I I think I asked for travel horror stories. Um, which shines a light on me as more of a pessimistic person than I would like to put off because I went to the parents' tailgate on Saturday before the SEMO game. Uh, went and chatted it up with some players' families. Thank you all to all who participated. Some absolutely wonderful stuff. Really enjoyed my, my hour and a half talking with you all. Um, some really great stories. Uh, Darius Robinson's mum meeting uh, Valerie Robinson, meeting... Uh, Larry Borum's mother at Kansas City Airport and hitching a ride over to the Missouri game. Uh, a lot of Florida hatred. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people not big fans of Florida. No, uh, it was a really fun story to write. Um, just you can tell how much they love their kids and love traveling to watch their kids. And that's that was nice. It was a, it's, it's a nice, wholesome story, unless you are from from, from Florida. There we go. Whoa. Yes. So you like, will not want to read this if you are a Gators fan. <laughs> so like Wilson said, those will be in the Columbia, <sighs> Missourian today. Uh, so you can find those all in print, pick up a copy, and read them. And now it's time for everyone's favorite oh, part. Before we do that, oh. can we, there was other news this week. The SEC schedule. Oh, yes. You just want to talk about that three-week stretch to open SEC play? Is there anything else? Is there anything we can say that has not already been said about opening the season with yeah. Auburn, Florida, and Georgia? No. Just <laughs> that was a good. That was a good was, aside. I, good? I caught no. the joke. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, that was in reference to the Jordan Battle press conference. Uh, Are we allowed to say what he said on the pod? Are we? I don't, see I don't know. It's not technically a bad word. <laughs> Producers, you just said. Okay. Oh, we can definitely say that. <laughs> this is a direct quote. Okay. Talking about, he was asked what Nick Saban's favorite sayings are, uh, and well, even if we're not, I think everyone knows already. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment of the college football season so far occurred after he said what his favorite Nick Saban sayings are, and an SID in the background just wailed. No. No. Um, before we go on to factor cap, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, do, uh, predictions. For Ooh, Boston yeah, good, point. good catch, Wilson. None of us got it last week. Wilson was the closest because it was yeah, 52 can I, 10. Can I, can I take that as a win? Mm. Are we doing the challenges as well now? Is that like the, like the, the, if someone gets it dead on? Yeah. So the, thing? something we discussed in the press box as we realized that none of us had perfectly predicted the score for the SEMO game was that. If someone does get a perfect score, then they get to like choose something for the other else, other two else to do. So like Callum's gonna shave his beard mm-hmm. and just go mustache. mustache. Um, Wilson, we're gonna try and get him to do something with his hair. I don't know what though. Mohawk. 
Or we could get a <gasps> his tattoo. Tattoo, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Your favorite Drinkwitz quote. Crud. Any of them, you get to choose. <laughs> Crud, it's like Christmas around here. You anyway, get that? <laughs> predictions, Boston College. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 42-28, Boston College winning. I've got Boston College 27, Missouri 24. I am going to go for the upset here. I'm going to say Missouri 31, Boston College 28. Missouri is favored by two going into this game. Oh, really? Yeah. But no. Everyone's favorite point of the week, point of this podcast. I think it's your favorite point of possibly your life. I've never seen you this happy. a little concerning um <laughs> factor cap all right last week callum uh took the win mm-hmm. uh beating emily mm-hmm. four to three uh but you know as Drinkwitz said uh, a week or two ago after the kentucky game new week new opportunity yeah. that's right so. that's my thinking baby <laughs> i'm just trying to go one and oh every week that's are, are you guys ready yes all right we'll dive right in despite its name Boston College is neither in Boston, nor is it a college. Factor cap. <laughs> that has to be cap, right? No, it is. Out, I think, so I was looking at the map. I'm pretty sure it is just outside the city limits. Uh, and I think as graduate programs, that's what classifies a university, right? But. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm going to go fact here. Oh, I didn't realize there was that distinction. I don't know. I'll go cap, since going, I said that first off. <laughs> that is a fact. Let's go. It, it, is, it is located in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, and it is not a college. It is a university. Okay, let's go to the next question. <laughs> Want to know at the end of every question is what we're trying here now. Never mind the week. Uh, the next one does involve Chestnut Hill. Chestnut Hill, during the Revolutionary War, 1700s, is famously where uh, the... Uh, George Washington and his troops spent the winter. Factor cap. Cap. I'm going to agree with you, cap. This, look, this is your history. <laughs> sort of my history as well. But that's less my history. It is cap. Okay. They, they spent the winter in Valley Forge, not yeah, Chestnut yeah, Hill. I was, like, yeah. I was like, that's not true. Number three. This is the first time Boston College has played an SEC team since 2011 when it lost to South Carolina. Oh, oh, I... I think that's fact. You did the preview. Mm. I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure that's fact. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to go fact here. So you're both going fact? Yep. It is cap. Oh, no! Uh, Boston College's last SEC game was in 2008. It lost to Vanderbilt. Mm. Whoa. Different era for Vandy. Very right different era. I mean, they are about to become the best program in the nation. Not currently better than East Tennessee State. But step they, they have some lofty goals. Yeah. Um, Boston College um, was one of the, uh, however your perspective is, best, most responsible, luckiest teams as far as COVID goes. Last fall, uh, they had only one positive case on the team throughout the entire season. That's fact. Seem very confident. Are you try to throw mm-hmm. me off. Are you gonna do? Maybe. Are you gonna switch up on me as soon as I say fact here? No, I'm, I locked in my answer. Oh, lock fact. It, that is, it is a fact. Uh, I, well, I read that. I did yeah. read that one. <laughs> is this question this, four? 
This is question five. Oh, okay. And th- th- this one's fun. Uh, Boston College tight end Trey Berry attended Spanish Fort High School in Alabama, which is the same high school as Missouri backup quarterback Jack Samsel and quarterback Chris and cornerback Chris Abrams Drain. Factor cap. I don't know this. Can you repeat it? <laughs> I don't know this. Boston College tight end Trey Berry attended Spanish Fort High School in in Alabama is the same high school as Jack Samsel and Chris Abrams Drain. So that is definitely where they went to high school. Yeah. Did Trey Berry go there as my... Oh. Oh. I'm going to let you answer first because I have no idea. And I'm just going to go... go... I think it's Cap. I think I would recognize this name. And I don't. So I'm going to go Cap here. Just because it could potentially tie up the score and send us into overtime, I'm going Fact. <laughs> It is a fact. Yes, oh. Let's go. Oh. Em- no. Emily escapes with the tie, and we. You, you don't have, have a tiebreaker tie question. We need a tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Wilson, do you have a question? I do, and this and it's a weird one. Okay. Oh, I love that. Uh, Boston College has a historically great men's hockey team. Who uh, uh, the Eagles' last national championship came in 2012. The uh, award for most outstanding player in college. Hockey is called the Hobie Baker Award. Factor cap, Hobie Baker played at Boston College. Well, we have to go opposite no matter what so that one of us wins. Yeah, that's fine. I can, uh, I'll, I'll agree to those terms. Um, I know nothing about hockey. Uh, I am going to go... I'll let you go first, Dibs, because I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to go fact. Okay, I was leaning towards cap, so that makes okay. me... That makes me happy. I feel like he would have come from just somewhere else. Yeah. Bobby Baker. We need to edit it. Bobby like sounds kind of Canadian to me. It is Cap. Oh, wanna know? Wanna know? <laughs> at the end he, of every week, he played at Princeton. That was a great. <gasps> uh, I really liked where you were thinking like that was that, yep. that Logan. Yes, he played at Princeton University. Oh. I can't believe I tied it and then choked it yeah. over time. Yeah. Anyway, everyone want to repeat their score predictions one more time before we end this pod? I don't remember mine. You, I, I legitimately don't remember eight. Mine was ago. forty-two to twenty-eight, Boston College. Mine was twenty-seven twenty-four, Boston College. I think I said thirty-one twenty-eight. You yep, did. Yes, that is yes, correct. Uh, so this has been episode two of the twenty twenty-one Tiger Kickoff podcast. I'm Emily Liker. I'm Cal McAndrew. I'm Wilson Moore. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tiger Kickoff Podcast. Be sure to catch us next week at ColumbiaMissourian.com or wherever you get your podcasts.